You are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. It is December. My gosh, we are 31 days away from 2023. Good show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about something going on in Bachelor Nation. We are also going to talk about a breakup. We're going to talk about some cheating allegations, some scandals in the world of pop culture. I got a little survivor talk, challenge talk, and more college football playoff talk as a major, major development happened yesterday. And we will get to that momentarily. Now, in terms of the Thursday podcast that, you know, it's usually an interview podcast, it would be what? This week would be podcast 315. So it's not going up today. The plan was to record yesterday and post it today as per usual. That had to be pushed back a day. The plan is to record it today. Something could possibly still happen to where it doesn't get recorded today. If so, I'm going to have to scramble to find somebody last minute, probably be one of my go-tos, and just... um put that out tomorrow and then this person would be on uh next week because it's not like at least i don't think that they're going to cancel it's just a more of a scheduling thing and timing thing so hopefully they'll be on tomorrow uh like i said working on a, a it's a it's a big name here i would say and we're just working around scheduling stuff so take it from there now let's move forward with a breakup in Bachelor Nation. No, it's not Victoria and Greg. They didn't break up just yet. <laughs> but it was revealed yesterday in an interview that she did. Jill has broken it off with Jacob. And you're like, Jesus, they lasted, what, a month? Yeah, I guess. They filmed that just November 4th, the reunion show. And basically, Jill's quotes were, We had planned a trip to Rhode Island and everything. It was going to be really cute. But then, unfortunately, everything kind of just fell through. Like, immediately after he hard-launched it, I hate it. And she said she had, quote, no other choice but to break things off. I literally had no other choice. I had to do what was best for myself. There is just a line and standards that you have for yourself that you just can't allow people to cross. To cross. The trust had been broken. In a long-distance relationship, you need communication and trust, and we had neither of those things. End quote. Didn't throw him under the bus, still had very positive things to say about him, but clearly, I think we can all read between the lines on something like this. She probably found out about other women in Arizona. Like, There's no other explanation for that. He literally picked her up at the reunion show that was taped on November 4th and said, I want to be with you, and they were going to try a long-distance thing, and then here she is, Quoting three weeks later saying trust had been broken in a long distance relationship. You need communication. We had neither of those things. And she said, you know, she had no other choice. She had to do what was best for herself. There's a line and standards that you have and you just can't allow people to cross. So, I mean, I don't think it's very hard to figure out what happened, but I have no idea who or whatever. But my guess is, you know, she probably found out about seeing other women and, you know, locally and stuff like that. It's just, just the trust had been broken there. So um, I can't say a lot of people were really thinking that these two were going to be forever goals, you know, but I don't know, maybe some of you did. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's not happening. So 
Let's pour one out for Jill and Jacob. Um, they are no longer together. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm just saying it just, I just, it's, it's these guys in the franchise. Like I, I can't, I don't, I, and this isn't, this isn't any sort of indictment on Jill. I, I just, <laughs> how many more examples do these women have to see of the men in this franchise? Like, this is what they do. The Brandons of the world. They're few and far between. They're the exception, not the rule. These guys are players, and they get off the show, and they have so many opportunities with women in so many different places. I've heard the stories. I've seen the proof. I've seen the evidence either through social media, through emails that have been sent to me, through voice texts that have been sent to me. Sometimes I've seen it with my own two eyes. So I, I just, you know, you know, you feel bad for Jill because she really seemed to want to try it. And when, you, and when it doesn't even last a month, yeah, you got a little bit of egg on your face because it's just like, well, what did you expect out of Jacob? You know, but, <clears throat> uh, you know, unfortunately didn't work out. Hopefully Jacob learns from this, whatever he did and he changes his ways. Um, but you know, just like when I talk about Aaron, same thing for Jacob. I, I don't think these guys learn, nor do I think they care. They're still in that age where, you know, going out and getting laid and being with as many women as possible is like uh, a thing to them. And that like, makes them feel better about themselves or something like that. I don't know, but they're doing it. And, um, it's, uh, they'll learn eventually, but right now, no, it's in one ear out the other for them. So what else is going on? Oh, so we got to talk about these, uh, cheating allegations. Nick and uh, Victoria and Greg. No, I'm not even talking about them. Who knows what the hell happened with them? What I'm talking about is the biggest story going, and that's Good Morning America host Amy Robach and TJ Holmes. How about this? So you saw this broke yesterday. And, you know, when there's hookups in celebrity world, again, we're in 2022. We kind of want to see evidence and stuff like that. The Daily Mail, what did they have somebody, a private eye, just follow these two around? <laughs> The amount of pictures that the Daily Mail posted, I think it was like 60 or something like that of these two. Now, granted, a lot of the pictures were of them in the same place and just multiple pictures, whether it was at a bar or their little escape to upstate New York. So for those that don't know, Amy Robach and TJ Holmes are the co-hosts of Good Morning America. The only time I ever watch Good Morning America is when they have a bachelor or bachelorette announcement. So I kind of know who they are. I don't know their personalities at all. I don't watch them. But people I apparently now have been saying for years, like their chemistry on screen is amazing and whatever. I don't care. But these pictures break of clearly they're in a relationship or having an affair. One of the two. And these pictures break that they took a vacation to upstate New York. And somebody was tailing them and was literally watching them go in and out of this private cabin and... He had his hand on her ass when they were unloading the car. Just all this stuff. And I'm like, holy shit. Um, the other thing I learned in this story, and I had no idea about, that Amy Robach 
is or was married to Andrew Shue, Billy from Melrose Place. I had no idea. Man, that sucks for Billy. Is Allison going to be mad at him? Did Billy and Allison get mad at the... Mad. Did they get married at the end of Melrose Place? Am I going to have to binge watch Melrose Place now? Damn it. Ugh, so frustrating. Anyway, getting back to the topic at hand here. So, Amy and TJ have now, apparently it's coming out that they left their spouses in August. And it's like, okay, now we're coming down to, is this emotional cheating and or physical cheating? Because two co-anchors that have worked together for five years, people said there were rumors about them last year hooking up and having an affair. And now they are probably going to come out and release a statement saying, yes, we are dating. I mean, they can't deny it. They went to a fucking upstate cabin together for the weekend. Clearly they're seeing each other. But the question now becomes, when did this relationship start? And both of them are clearly going to say, we have left our spouses and it started all after that. You know, that could be like, oh, you caught us. Yep, we cheated. No, they're not going to say that. So they're going to say it started after. But like I said, five years as co-hosts. And now they were they both had kids. They had been married, I think, around eight to ten years each, if not longer. It's like, okay. And now they're just gonna say that we both left our spouses in August. It's like, okay, did you leave your spouses because Amy, did you leave it because of you know, TJ? TJ, did you leave it because leave your marriage because of Amy? Like there's gonna be nobody's gonna buy that nothing happened whatsoever even though they had to do some traveling together. They were recently in England for the show to cover the Queen stuff. It's like, that one's going to be a very hard sell to America that these two didn't start up anything and there was no spark anywhere until they left their spouses in August. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like, Yeah, we'll see about this. But this story is just getting started. I'm sure we're going to start hearing a bunch of more stuff. Coworkers former guests, whatever the case may be, people are going to start coming out and talking about these two and saying like, yeah, no, it's been known that they've been having an affair. I'm sure that's coming. Whether or not it can be proven, different story, because the pictures that came out were just recently of them together. But as far as anybody knew, neither Amy or TJ had ever mentioned they were divorced or separated. So now they're basically going to be forced to say no, you know, sorry it had to come out this way, but we have both been separated from our spouses, and it's just a matter of if you're going to choose to believe that. So let's talk a little Survivor uh, from last night. Survivor and the Challenge from last night. So if you don't want to know about Survivor and the Challenge from last night, you can fast forward this or skip ahead, whatever the case may be. Now, let me say this for Survivor. They have done this water challenge numerous times where you're underwater and you have to brave the swells that come in and you literally are under a cage and have to hold your breath when the swells come up and get your breaths in when the swells go down. And you just never know how long it's going to last. As you know, if you watch the episode, first time in Survivor history, over a thousand challenges where the challenge went so long, they just had to declare two people the winner because they could not go any longer and the swells were already done. They weren't going to stand out there another 12 hours to make these people wait for another swell to come or whatever. So uh, Owen and Carla end up winning immunity because of it. And 
I, I, I can say this. Anybody that's listened to this podcast long enough knows Survivor's my favorite reality show of all time. Always has been. But I've also always said no way in hell would I ever go on that show. I have no interest in ever being on it. I have all respect in the world for people that can do that. I'm not an outdoorsy person. I get one bug bite and I'm a baby. And I need to scratch the hell out of it or I need to get my little bug off stuff. No, no, thank you. I don't want to sleep in a jungle. I'd rather sleep inside on a bed. <laughs> I don't care if a million dollars are at stake. No, thanks. I have no interest in playing it. That challenge last night, that water challenge, uh, no, thank you. No way would I ever be interested in competing in that. Nor do I think I'd even do well in that. I know how to swim, but I have the, the, the first time I'm literally under a under a cage and a swell comes up and I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Done. Tap out. Also, I'll go sit down and watch them compete for the next three hours. <laughs> who, who? I mean, all the credit in the world to all of them that competed, but more importantly, Carla and Owen, who lasted three and a half hours. How in the hell did they do that? Are you kidding me? Didn't they fear for their life at some point? Obviously, I know Survivor's not going to let somebody die on the show. But that is some serious, like, getting waterlogged and, you know, thinking you have time to take a breath and all of a sudden a swell hits and a bunch of water goes down your throat. Like, I, I don't even understand how they lasted three and a half hours. That made no sense to me. Because some of those swells were so long. I'm like, how are they holding their breath this long when they've just gone underwater for the previous 30 seconds and, and took one gasp before another swell hit. I, that made no sense to me. But clearly they did it. All the credit in the world to Carla and Owen, but absolutely no thank you. The first time that I was struggling under that cage and gasping, I'm out. <laughs> Done. Someone else can win this immunity, Jeff. I will sit this one out, and I'll wait for something where I have to put a puzzle together or walk on a balance beam. And I say that, you know, kidding, because I would never go on the show to begin with because I like to sleep inside and sleep on a mattress. <laughs> I just, as much as I love that show, zero interest in ever competing on it. The challenge last night was more of the same. Like I said, you pay attention to the first 10 minutes. The footage that is show you before the challenge happens is usually setting up the storyline for what's going to happen at the end of the show. And what did they show us? They showed us how close... Well, they showed us a little bit of Nelson and Olivia's relationship. However, maybe last night was a little bit different. It was the footage after the challenge saying, Man, Nelson, if you, have, if, Nelson, if you pull the safe sword, are you going to save Fessy? Your enemy who threw you in? In a past season, or are you going to save your new girlfriend, Olivia? And Nelson was just back and forth. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really don't. And then, of course, what ended up happening? Nelson and Reese pull the safe sword by default because the first two couples that pulled uh, didn't pull the safe sword. So, uh, yeah, it, they set it up. And once again, Olivia and Horacio are one of the most impressive rookie couples we've ever seen in this franchise history. They are destroying it out there. And all the props to them. Uh, I thought it was funny that the vets basically ganged up on uh, Jay and Michelle. And, uh, you know, is it good gameplay? 
if you're a vet, you should be like, bring it on, Jay and Michelle. We don't care if you win or lose. If you win, you come back. We'll beat you in a. We'll beat you in the next daily. Or we'll beat you in the next zone. Or we'll beat you in a final. So I'm not too jazzed about bananas and Jordan of yelling so loud that Michelle couldn't hear Jay's commands because it almost seems like you're scared of them winning and coming back, even though they will position it as, hey, this is what you had coming to you because you pissed off enough people in the house. So I kind of see both sides, but if I'm a vet and I'm confident in my partner and I'm confident in what I can accomplish, whether it's in a daily, whether it's in the zone, whether it's in the final challenge, to me, I wouldn't feel the need to do that because it's kind of showing that you're scared of Jay and Michelle and you don't want them coming back. Just my opinion. I wouldn't have done it if I were them, but I'm not them. And that's what they chose to do. But we're getting down to the nitty gritty on challenge and people that like each other are basically going to have to start throwing each other in because I, now I, with this, with this few teams left, I and TJ saying at the end of the episode, you'll find out the, the big twist coming. I don't think the remainder of the season is going to be if you win the daily, you have to throw four other teams in. I think it's going to change. I don't know what it's going to change to, but my guess is that will change in how eliminations work from here on out. Because we're down to what, eight teams? It just seems really weird to have one team win and then they have to throw four of the remaining seven teams in. It's just, I don't know. They're going to do something different. They're going to switch it up. Now, let's end with some college football talk. In case you didn't hear it, the Rose Bowl has agreed to participate or agreed to whatever terms they needed to agree to to move up the 12-team college football playoff to 2024 because it wasn't going to happen until 2026, and now it's going to happen two years earlier. So next year is the final year of the four-team college football playoff. Starting in the 2024 season, we're going to get a 12-team playoff which is going to be fantastic. And now I know what a lot of you detractors are going to say, which is, oh my God, that's going to dilute the regular season of college football, the one thing they had over every sport. Um, you know, it meant the most. Uh, but I'm sorry, I, I, I can't get there with you on that argument. And while it will dilute the regular season, if you're going to say that about college football, that means you have to say that about every pro sport regular season so you can't tell me you're excited about anything that happens in any major league baseball regular season nba regular season or nfl regular season because they all do the same thing nothing matters until the playoffs so yes in this season ohio state michigan last weekend wouldn't have meant as much because the winner both teams are going to make it anyway no matter who won ohio state in a 12-team playoff is absolutely going to be in it and michigan obviously know would be a top four but that doesn't make it any worse. Getting 12 teams in, that's good. More playoff football is good because right now, literally, three games matter in college football when it comes to the playoffs. The two semifinal games and the championship game. And if you're not playing in it, yeah, you get money for your school, but with so many guys opting out, you saw what happened to Ohio State last year. All those guys decided to opt out and not play in the Rose Bowl. That's not good for college football. Now if you have 12 teams in, that's more people that are going to play. You're not going to have as many opt-outs if your team makes the college football playoff. I guarantee that. 
They're going to want to stick out their season with their team. So I think it's great for college football. I cannot wait for a 12-team playoff. I do understand that rivalry games and especially something like Ohio State-Michigan will matter less during the regular season, but that's fine to me because why do you care what happens during the regular season? Shouldn't it mean more in the postseason? Yes, it'll still be Ohio State-Michigan. They'll still switch off every year. One game will be in the big house. One game will be in Ohio State Stadium and stuff like that. But now they have a much better chance of meeting up in the playoff. It basically means that as long as Michigan-Ohio State go 10-2, and 11-1 every year, both of them are getting to the playoffs every year. And where would you rather have Michigan and Ohio State play? In a regular season game that eliminates one of them? Or in a playoff, a college football playoff game, probably held in one of their stadiums, and that one's eliminated completely uh, from the playoffs, and they can't win the national championship. I, I'm sorry, I, I'll take the playoffs. I think more teams having a chance to win it is good. And yeah, we might for a few seasons. It, it's going to be a few seasons. We might have the first few seasons where it's like, yeah, the winner's going to come from someone in the top four seeds, maybe someone in the top six. But you're going to be like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. They have no chance to win it. Well, you don't know until you play the games. We've seen it in the past. There's been upsets. Upsets can happen. And I think it just it's going to add to the flavor of college football. And, yes, they've stood for years on our regular season means more than any other sports regular season. Yeah, I guess in a way it did. But this doesn't mean it's a bad thing that it's diluted a bit because all the other sports <laughs> regular seasons are diluted and don't mean as much. And you still cheer for those and you still care about some of those games and you still go to NBA games. You go to NFL games. The NFL is the number one sport in the world. Forty two million people watch the Giants and Cowboys on Thanksgiving when ultimately did it mean anything? No, it didn't. Because if they happen to meet up again in the playoffs and the Giants win, what did the Dallas Cowboys beating them on Thanksgiving mean? Absolutely nothing. So that's what I mean. It's going to – I know people – I know it's kind of hard to see the force through the trees right now. But I think once this gets started, this is going to be so good for college football. And it's going to be – it's going to generate a lot of talk. And it's going to generate so much more interest in the postseason of college football. Because let's be honest – Nobody gives a shit about any bowl that's not the playoffs or maybe even the New Year's Six. And sometimes even the New Year's Six bowls with so many guys opting out recently, it's just like we don't even care about that. So this is good for college football. Trust me. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, like I said, I will keep you updated. If, if the interview happens today, it'll be up tomorrow. If not, I'll have to find somebody else and we'll push that person person I want to have an interview this week uh, to next week, um, but we'll see about timing and scheduling. So, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it, and I will be back tomorrow. See you!